Ready to dominate at the plate? Blast Baseball is trusted by more major league and college teams than any other hitting solution. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 at checkout to save $25. All right, everybody, let's get right into it. I'm Alan Gay, and this is Now D1 Speaks. we got a great show today. It's a little bit different than what we typically do, but I think we are really absolutely going to enjoy it. We've got a former D1 track athlete, a professional track athlete, now a gym owner. We have Taylor Rose with us. Hey, Taylor, are you there? Yes, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. Thank you. And thank you very much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to speak with us. Why don't you, uh, why don't you kind of do a, an introduction and kind of give us an idea of, man, how did you really get into track and, and how did that lead to an opportunity for you to go to college and, and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, of course. I'd love to share. So basically, my story started off actually as a diehard basketball player. And I thought I was going to go to college for basketball. And I had a meeting with one of my coaches my junior year for basketball about moving up to varsity. And it did not go the best. And he said I wasn't putting in time like I was. And that was actually the day of league finals for track and field, which I was doing high jump and long jump to work on my hops for basketball. Well, I left that meeting kind of knowing that I wasn't going to be playing again next year and went out, and that's where track took over. So my senior year, they found out that I was fast. I started running the 400, and I walked on to the Cal State Fullerton track and field team and made the team as a walk-on. During that time, I was doing kinesiology as my major, so all through my education there was learning more about how to become better as an athlete, and I had the awesome opportunity after finishing my collegiate career to train with some professionals with uh, Quincy Watts, Joanna Hayes, very, very high level individuals in the actual sprint world, Sydney McLaughlin, Rye Benjamin, Michael Norman. And I got to run with them for three years post-collegiately and prepare for the Tokyo Olympics and so much more. And I'll actually help coaching them. Well, I got to tell you, who would have ever thought such a disappointing conversation with a coach in a sport that you really wanted to do would just absolutely open up an opportunity of a lifetime for you. But it did, didn't it? It really did. If that meeting didn't happen, I probably would have not touched track in the way that I did and spend over 10 years really deep into the industry and making some amazing connections and meeting amazing people too. Well, congratulations. You absolutely didn't let a roadblock block you. I am so impressed with that. So, all right. So you really loved basketball and you were kind of thinking that's the direction you were going. Give us some measurements. When you were a, a junior in high school, kind of what was your height and weight, if you can remember? And then kind of give us an idea of what it was really when you were preparing for the Tokyo Olympics. So now if I look back, I believe I was about 6'2 as a junior in high school and probably around 170-ish. That's the year I kind of started to sprout. Um, so I started putting on more weight and um, some height. So I ended up at 6'4", my freshman year of college, at about 175. Um, that body type was much different than my professional running body type because I was actually under eating due to one of my coaches. So um, kind of had a body dysmorphia thing go on and that's where aligning yourself with really knowledgeable coaches and supportive coaches is really important. So training for Tokyo 
I was closer to 190, 195 at 6'4", running the 400 meters. So big, big difference in body style. Obviously, I, I, I aged a little bit going from 17 to 29. Was that when Tokyo was? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I definitely. There's a lot that you were touching on that I would absolutely like to dig into just a little bit deeper. And um, but thinking about Tokyo, 29 years old, Taylor, I think, you know, our core audience is really uncommitted baseball players and then college baseball coaches. So we're not as familiar with track and field, certainly. But we are familiar with D1 opportunities to play at the next level. We're, we're very familiar with the weight room. We're familiar with good eating habits and, and so forth that really kind of prepares you. But I am really interested about this Tokyo. You're 29 years old. That seems old. Is that old in the track and, and field world? It's getting up there. It's um, not, not common. I would say peak is probably 22 up to like 27, 28. Um, but there are your outliers. I mean, we had Allison Felix who made a team at 35. Um, there's some older ladies and guys in their 30s. I mean, Justin Gatlin was, I believe, 38 or 39 at the last Olympic trials. And unfortunately, he blew his hamstring. But speed is hard to hang on to. And the good thing about speed in all sports is it transfers to everything. And um, baseball can definitely benefit from speed and a good, good track coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're definitely going to talk more about that, I guarantee you. So talk to us a little bit about Cal State Fullerton. And um, how did you decide that that's where you were going to ultimately go to college? And then was it, also, was it also based on an opportunity to maybe to walk on or maybe even be a preferred walk on? Or and just kind of tell us how that transition came about. So I actually lost all hopes of college uh, sports after that meeting. And I had already committed to Fullerton prior to deciding to pursue athletics or track and field. Um, so I hit up the coach. I'm like, hey, um, these were my marks in high school. Can I walk onto the team? And they were, they were decent. I mean, I was Century League Sprinter of the Year. I won um, CIF, all that. So I had some markers behind me. And that's a big, big point to put forward is – show your accolades and show that you're diligent. If even if you're just a walk on, right, you want to show how much dedication you had. So going to Fullerton, I was just going to be a student. Like I was not thinking I was going to be an athlete and that completely shifted in the first six months of me being there. And actually, um, I had a knee surgery my, my freshman year, but I showed up to everything and I actually had my coach tell me, Hey, go home, get off your crutches <laughs> and relax. But I was just so forward and wanted to give so much to the team and put my best foot forward that that elevated me above the scholarship athletes. Thank you for your support by listening to Now D1 Speaks. If you are a prospect or a coach and would like to be heard, please reach out to Alan Gay to schedule an appearance. The easiest way to contact Alan is on X, formerly known as Twitter. His handle is at now underscore D1. Now D1 Speaks is a great platform to be heard. We have had many prospects commit after appearing as a guest. Are you ready to commit? Contact Now D1 Speaks today. That's impressive. I love that dedication right there. You are absolutely committed to this opportunity and you were taking every advantage that you could despite whatever liabilities, knee surgery had come your way. Uh, that is fantastic. Talk to us a little bit about the, the under eating and, and, 
you know, when did you come to realize, was it due to your studies of kinesiology or was it, when did you start realizing, you know what, I'm really not eating enough to, to build the lean muscle and, and mass that I need to really improve my strength to be faster? Yeah, it was definitely probably late sophomore or junior year of college is when I started to realize it. But my coach initially had told me that I needed to be 165 like Jeremy Warner, who was another professional 400 meter runner. And he was, I believe, six foot 165. So I was a different build. I'm a muscular guy. I was not going to get there. And I under ate for so long. And it's funny because like, when I started dating my wife, we would go to a yogurt land and I'd just smash yogurt. And the next day, I would have a phenomenal practice. I'm like, what is going on here? And those days started to line up with my education on the nutrition side of things. I was like, holy smokes, I'm not eating enough to perform. And then I actually got a new coach who was like, dude, you need to eat and get strong and give yourself the nutrients. And that's where the doors really started to open. I dropped two seconds pretty quickly from there when I actually started to feed myself. Wow. That's impressive. So, all right. So you graduate. And then after you graduated, did you start running professionally? So I graduated with my undergrad in 2014. And then I got into grad school. And since I had knee surgery, I had a red shirt year left. So I got into grad school. I was on scholarship now on the track team. So they took care of my first year. And I'm like, well, might as well get my master's since I want to compete for Fullerton one more time. And that year finished up as a collegiate athlete. So my last year as a uh, graduate student is when I ran uh, what we call unattached. So my college coach continued to coach me. Um, I helped out with the team and I got to run at track meets trying to make the Olympic team because this was 2016. And that was my best year. My best marks were from 2016. And then from there is when I transitioned away from him because he he pushed me away like, hey, you got to get with a pro group. You can't be with these college kids anymore. It's a different level. And that's where I started looking for a pro groups. So I, I found one. didn't work out. I was on my own for a little bit. And then that's when I got with uh, Coach Hayes. And that's where things really exploded in the pro world in 2018. 2018, yeah, when I, when I transitioned to her. Okay. And then was the Tokyo Olympics 2020? Yeah, we were training 2020, and then they got pushed to 21. But during the whole pandemic period, that's where things really got shifty, where we were training together, then it got called off, and then we're doing Zoom workouts, and then we're trying to get back together. And uh, 2021, I actually moved out of LA and back home, so I started training by myself again, trying to get ready for it. But it just was – timeline didn't pan out very well, and I was dealing with some injuries, and I just had to – stop after 2021 i was going to go for indoor world championships in 22 um but i had a six-month-old baby girl and an injury that said hey it's time to hang them up <laughs> well congratulations i mean if you have to move you know away from one love what another great love to move toward and that's your wife your daughter and, and and family so that that made that transition a little bit easier i'm sure oh yeah 100 percent. that's that's a big life change for sure. And you're always going to strive to do even more for your family and your loved ones, more so than sports. Sports is a huge driving factor. But, you know, as you grow in life, things change. You can't take the athlete out of me. I still love to compete. But, yeah, I definitely have more to look forward to now. Absolutely. And you say you moved back home from L.A. Where's back home? 
uh, Orange County, not too far away. So pretty close to Cal State Fullerton. It's actually why I chose Cal State Fullerton because I didn't want to move. <laughs> so I stayed at home during my, my collegiate career. Um, sure. Yeah, we moved to downtown LA to open up the gym with my dad. And then uh, once my wife got pregnant and our lease was up in downtown, we wanted to get to something a little bit more suburban and uh, more kid-friendly. Absolutely. So that's what you're doing today. You, you, you own a gym? Correct. Yeah, what's the name of it? Rise Athletics LA. Hey, let me ask you something. If, uh, if somebody wanted to find you, Taylor, and they were interested in Rise Athletic LA, what's the best way to be able to do that? Yeah, so you could either find me directly on Instagram at Taro Runs, or you can go on to uh, riseathleticsla.com, check out the gym's website, and I respond to a lot of stuff on there too, and that social. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, kind of talk about how you transitioned into um, being a gym owner and coaching. Well, you know, what kind of led you to that? Was it just a natural progression, really, just based on, on your education and your background? Or was there someone else that was helping to, to kind of spark that idea? So it was pretty organic with uh, my degree as a kinesiologist. Uh, I actually started as an athletic training um, major, but they said I couldn't do it as an athlete, so I had to shift. So by year three, I had to do an internship. I was working in the weight room. Um, I worked with a bunch of the different teams outside of track and field in the weight room. And uh, that's actually where I got my first job. Uh, it was called The Office out here in Orange County, which was a – a youth baseball like club strength conditioning facility with batting cages and everything. So I actually worked with baseball quite a bit as an undergrad um, and outside of uh, my bachelor's. So I was always learning and taking my education and applying it directly to sports performance. And it just kept compounding. I was coaching people during my undergrad years. And then as I graduated, I had more people reaching out to me to coach them, mostly high school. But now I do coach uh, a good handful of professional athletes, as well as the people that are just trying to elevate their overall lifestyle and performance and everything they do. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, so interesting, the office kind of let's talk about that just a little bit. And and uh, really, what was your experiences like and what types of programs uh, were you specifically working with in regards to youth baseball players? So I did the speed development and the strength conditioning. So basically, I worked with kids that were as young as five years old in camps all the way up to uh, high school seniors. What we would do is we break down the training session into a speed or agility component. And then we would do that for about 20, 30 minutes working on changing direction, just direct linear speed, um, just power development, jumps. And then we would go to the weight room where we would enhance everything else from there, doing your Olympic-style movements of cleans, stick strength work, everything just to make a really well-rounded athlete. And what really set the baseball players apart that we worked with is really good speed work. Because actually one of my coworkers, he was on the track team as well, but he loved baseball. So we got to apply our speed mentality and knowledge from track and field to the sport field of baseball. And it was amazing to see how much faster the kids got, their reaction times, how they were able to move and really apply that to their sport. Hey, that's really cool. Thank you for walking through that. And I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about you and all the different types of athletes from different sports that you are working with, you know, from, 
you know, really from basketball players, obviously to track players. I think you've even worked with some MMA fighters, obviously some baseball background. How do you really tailor your coaching approach to all these different sports? So it really comes down to a conversation. You got to listen to your athlete and see what they're going through and everything that they need in that time. What is tough for team sports, at least at the high school and college level, there's a lot of blanket programming. I don't like to do that. So if somebody's working one-on-one with me, I need to figure out and dig deep exactly what it is that they need, what performances are other coach looking for, and it's a big thing of communication. Researching college baseball programs should be easy. College Baseball Insights provides data-driven tools to help student athletes, parents, coaches, and recruiters make the best informed decisions when researching college baseball programs. Go to collegebaseballinsights.com and use referral code NOWD1-10 at checkout to save 10% on monthly, quarterly, and annual subscriptions. Time is precious. Reclaim your time with College Baseball Insights. So I'm very dynamic in the way that I coach, particularly on the performance side of things. But then you also have to get into the, the mental side where do they have a mental block where they're getting nervous and it's delaying their performance on the, the field or they're overexcited. They're like super stoked to do it. And then they get too excited and moving too quick or something like that. So there's a lot of different methods that I use to actually dive into the athlete and talk to their coach to figure out exactly what they need. And every sport's going to have a little bit of difference, but the, the layers are all similar. That's really interesting. You know, has the majority of your experience really come uh, in person uh, coaching with various athletes, or do you also virtually train or, or train online? All my professional athletes right now are actually virtual. So I've made that transition just as my schedule has gotten busier with the gym. And also, like, I used to work with a motocross guy. I can't travel across the whole country with him for the season. So he'd be getting everything from me through an app that I have uh, to get his nutrition dialed in, make sure he's getting his conditioning in and make any adjustments, watch his sleep, which is really cool with all the wearables now. You can get so much data as a coach. But my first step into coaching for, I would say, five years was probably all in person. Gotcha. How did you – you've got such – obviously, you have very good name recognition. And I'm just kind of thinking about the little amount of time that we've spent together. But but listening to your background, you were performing at at an elite level on the track. And you were surrounded by really high-level coaches as well. So I I see where your name could easily start – being recognized in track and field but how did you gain that recognition in so many different disciplines i mean you just mentioned motocross racers and so forth i mean how how did you get your name out there so that people uh, knew who you were yeah well the, the what the saying goes your network is your net worth it's all about making those contacts communicating with people showing that you're there to help um, luckily a family friend of mine was Joanna Hayes, and I reached out to her. And after a few weeks of figuring things out, she actually invited me to work with her. And then I got to work with other people. My uh, really good friend's a chiropractor who works with a lot of motocross people. So he knows what I do and how I produce results. So he'll refer people to, to see me. And then, then it becomes the herd it through the grapevine. And 
people just start coming because they see the results that you're putting out. And I work hard, even still that I'm not competing. I like to win, so my athletes need to win. That's that's my goal. Hey, that's good stuff, Taylor. I can feel it listening to you, man. This is great. I can't thank you enough for just kind of hopping on with us today. Hey, let me ask you about your business. Obviously, it's doing extremely well. How are you able to manage a very busy, thriving business and coach elite athletes at the same time? It seems really difficult. It was at first, but time management becomes pretty important and setting blocks of time. Uh, the cool thing about the gym itself, it's the same, same industry, it's fitness and coaching, right? So they blend very well together. And I could service people at the gym that I would normally be doing like in person or the online stuff for uh, little consults here and there while managing the gym. A lot of what the gym is, is computer work now. And then in the evenings, I go to coach and help people out. But the starting phases of coaching and opening up a gym, true grit, learning everything. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I had to learn. <laughs> so the same way that I produced on the track just by working really hard physically, I had to start using my brain in the same capacity to learn as much as possible and be quick to shift when I needed to and reach out to people if I didn't know something. Because if you hear somebody that says they know everything, you better run the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, too, you really picked an interesting time to get your business started. As I'm thinking about, you know, I asked you, what was the Tokyo Olympics 2020? And, and of course, they were it, but it moved to 2021 simply because of the pandemic. And it sounds like that's about the same time frame that you really kind of transitioned back to Orange County and, and, and were opening Rise Athlete of L.A., how in the world were you able to also start a business, a new business, during the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, so we actually opened up in 2017. So we got two years of a little bit of momentum. And that's when I really didn't know what was going on uh, business-wise. I'm a kinesiologist. I know how to train people and, and just improve their lives. So that's where I really dove into learning more. And then when the pandemic hit, I was eyes wide, what's going to happen? And I'm still trying to train. Business is shut down. My dad even said, like, nobody's stepping foot into the gym right now. We need to clean the whole place, get it all set up, and figure out what we're going to do. And that's where things kind of transitioned for me with the whole Crown Athletics things. People started reaching out for online coaching. We had to do it for our members as well. So we were developing online programming to make sure they were getting service and staying healthy while I was still running myself and then trying to keep all those gears going. Thinking back on it, I really don't know how I got through that. <laughs> like it, it's, it's still crazy to think about because I thought we were done. I, I didn't think we were going to stay open. Um, my track and field dreams were closing right before me because places where we trained were getting shut down. It was a very, very dark time, but we came out of it, and I'm super grateful for that. Hey, that is amazing. I, obviously, you went through serious life changes yourself and, and lots of transformations. Just thinking about, uh, hey, where you were as an athlete to marriage, to children, to moving, to running a business, to a pandemic. I mean, obviously, a lot was going on in your life. But kind of thinking about some of the individuals that you've helped that have probably really also achieved significant life changes probably changes they never thought were possible. Could you talk to us about any particular examples where you've really been influential in helping someone else? Yeah, I, I think that's daily with my clients, honestly. Uh, especially my in-person people that I still coach. 
we talk about life all the time. It's not about fitness. It's not about nutrition and the food that you're eating. It's about how you see the world around you and how you react to it or actually absorb the information around you. So, I mean, one of the big things as a coach, you want people to be as healthy as possible. And as a society, a lot of people drink. Well, I just started asking questions. What's the purpose? Why do you do it? Who are you around? And just by asking genuine questions, I've had a couple clients go, whoa, like, I don't need this. Like, it's actually not serving me in any type of way. And then they become sober for a bit and see how much everything changes around them. And then you see their life elevate outside of what I'm doing for them in the gym. And they're telling me about it. And it's like the most amazing thing that I could have done without actually telling them like, hey, this is terrible. Stop doing it. It's conversation. It's all about how you identify things with your mind and opening it up to be coachable, but also critical thinking in your own sense. That's it's a big, big, big part of how I coach now, even my professional athlete. Like I have him do visualization, picturing that belt around his his uh, his waist. You know, it's it's not just the fitness side. Isn't it incredible how much power your mind really has over you and everything that you're doing? It can control your body. There is no question about it. Hey, I have to, you know, one thing that I'm thinking about too, and, and as you have developed as a coach and as a person, I'm sure becoming a father has probably changed a lot of your mindsets and, and the way you interact with people. Hey, kind of talk to us, has your coaching philosophy changed over the years due to really becoming hey becoming a parent has that had any influence at all a lot actually so throughout my whole education while i was running a lot of it was for selfish reasons and i'm not shy in sharing that i've shared it before i learned what i learned to try to be the best possible athlete that i could be but now having a little one of my own it's like well what am i doing this for there's a bigger purpose and that started to shift one when i started coaching people because i was bought into their success but once i became a father i was like oh i need to set the standard i need to set the example i need to lead with my actions and my words and everything that i do not as an athlete not as a father not as a husband but me as a human I don't want to be labeled as anything, but I want people to be, look at me and say, that's an exceptional person over there. And having that, my daughter is really what did that for me. Hey, it's amazing when you start living your life for someone else, isn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it really, there's no other way to put it besides life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Taylor, I can't, I got to tell you, man, I am really enjoying this evening. I am so happy that you took some time out to, to hop on with us. I'm telling you, there are just so many kids that are out there they were you know and, and they're they're the juniors and they're talking to their cop to their high school coach trying to figure out hey am i ready to, to be on the varsity team am i going to have an opportunity and who knows what that coach may say you know what i mean and and who knows what doors may be open and and really just kind of listening to your progression and your story of, of where you were to where you are today I've got to tell you, man, you're absolutely going to touch a lot of kids and their parents that are listening to this show. I just can't thank you enough for hopping on with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for actually having me. It's been a pleasure, and I, I really hope somebody takes something and can apply it to their lives right away and start making change. 
Oh, I know they will. And I tell you, Taylor, if you have time, I would love to ask you, you maybe, maybe one more question. Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a question that I'm kind of thinking about in regards to high school athletes. And, and really, I think the age group that is probably the most appropriate is maybe freshmen in high school. And, and they're athletes, and they are really good at their sport, whatever it is, whether it's baseball, whether it's track, basketball, football, whatever the sport is, they are really talented, and they want to be good for as long as they can. What, what kind of advice would you give a high school freshman today that potentially could kind of set them up for success for as long as they have the ability to be successful? Yeah, so I would definitely tell any freshman now, keep it fun keep committed, and keep showing up. If you do those three things, you're going to enjoy yourself the whole time. Everything's just going to come your way, and opportunities are just going to present themselves. But you got to keep showing up. Man, they always say that's a big part of success. Just be there. Just show up. Taylor, i got to tell you, man, This again, this has been a fantastic evening. Just thank you so much for hopping on, and I uh, just really appreciate your, your wisdom and your time. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been a great conversation, and uh, it's been really, really fun. Absolutely. And I think with that, that's probably a perfect time to just say goodnight. Hey, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dominate at the plate this season? Blast Baseball is the number one hitting improvement solution, trusted by more major league, college, and travel ball teams than any other. The Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Metrics are automatically sent to a smartphone app, generating insights that allow you to analyze and improve your hitting like never before. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 and you will save $25 at checkout. Unlock your potential with Blast. Mm -hmm.